This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Forrest and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another episode of This This Life with Dr. Dr. And Bob. Doom Bob. Yeah. So, introduce our guest. It's Mike. Mike Catherwood. And it? Bianca, his wife. All right. So, Mike Catherwood, uh, Loveline co-host, also KBC co-host. Uh, Mike, give some of your other stuff. Also, uh, occasional lover of Dr. Drew. No. <laughs> The, the, uh, that was the only in prison, show. though, right? Originally, original. <laughs> All right, let's get the original on. prostate. <laughs> His lovely wife Bianca is here. <laughs> Bianca is the star of Undateable. And uh, did you do my prostate surgery? I, no, I I was the original guy who investigated the area. Oh, you found the tumor. Yeah. I see. Thank you. Oh, really? You saved his life. I was yeah. like, true. I'm pushing up against something here. Stop <laughs> it. It was, with his t- it was with his tongue. Strangely enough. Come on. <laughs> All right, Boy, I, got, I got that. When they minutes. talk about partnerships in radio, it's amazing what you guys have. Well, it's also, uh, it's so funny how territorial I get over Drew and our our uh, gay man love because uh, it's it's all, it's not as bad as my wife, obviously, but it's it's close you know like when i hear like Drew's protective like, oh, Drew, oh i'm going i'm going to dinner with mike carano i just can't get enough of it oh, i can't i just love seeing jason he's so i uh, he's my he's my man i'd be i'm in jason a relationship Ellis. and and duncan trussell's like and i'm like hey i'm over here you know i'm in the room <laughs> let alone adam oh well that that honestly is like a marriage him and like <laughs> He doesn't compete that's with his that. first it's not like, That's his first marriage. Right. They're divorced. Well, no, not even. It's like like those other guys that you We're mentioned. We're on sex still. I thought, <laughs> I thought that I was I thought He's that I was Drew's. for a booty call after they got divorced. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was Drew's best mistress because Adam's his wife. And I thought, but it turns out I'm like third in line of his mistresses. Oh, my God. Where do I rate? <laughs> you're you're his you're his you're therapist or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's purely healthy with so you. So what is it like to be married to this? <laughs> Who are you talking to? <laughs> A lot of times I laugh when I'm not really smiling inside. <laughs> <laughs> Does it sometimes shock you? Like the stuff he says shocks me. Oh yeah, <laughs> and they do it. Uh, you've been to love lines, right? They do it so calmly, and they're both on the internet and on their hey, phones, yeah. and they're saying the most stuff like that yeah we yeah. met on love <laughs> yeah that's right they met on love yeah really yeah yeah and it was really shocking were you for texting me. Uh, no, no this not is that pre night. cell phone pre smartphone 
It was not pre cell phone on, but it was pre. Yeah, it was, it was pre like where you had really internet in on your yeah stuff. You know? I find it very distracting to be on with them because they're both looking at computer screens and they're on their phones and yeah. you're trying to talk about life and death situations with addiction. Yeah, Bob, you have ADD. It's a problem. <laughs> but also in that circumstance, like Drew has legit stuff he's texting about, and my husband's just looking at girls and and cars black, and black cars. Dick. To black be dick. fair, he's showing it all to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I've been looking at a lot of cars lately. So what happens when you... Uh, I, the first thing I wanted to talk about when you guys got on here is when you're a car enthusiast, like, and I've seen the cars and talk about the cars, car, I don't care about cars at all. Yeah. They get you from point A to point B, is my opinion. If they have the satellite radio, that's all you need. What happens when you have a child? A As child you're sitting comes right next first, to two guys who work in terrestrial radio. We really appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> we have two terrestrial radio shows. Thanks for mentioning satellite. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, let's get to the point of it. You can't be into cars and have children. I'm here to tell you and defend um, behind her. I, I think if you have, what? Not, <gasps> to, not to sound, not to sound uh, like ivory tower guy, but if you have a certain amount of capital, I think you can. I think if you're struggling but to get by. But when you're paying for $1,300 for a, for a high-fuel injection carburetor, that $1,300 could do, well, go towards a college fund. Yeah, If you have fuel injection, there's no carburetor. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Well, whatever the fuck it is, it shows you what I know. You know what I'm talking about. My friend Louie's into cars. He yeah. pays $1,300 for a line to the manifold. and I, I, I see where you're coming from, but it would you be... You disagree. No, 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 I don't. I just think that... It's more about it's less about be if you're a car guy and you have a car that you have to spend a lot of time on, I think that that is in, it's not responsible. If you're You'd a be hiding in the garage, yeah. but you know I I've like I have a '66 GTO. I saw and we, it. We came to the conclusion it's like we're I'm getting rid of it. It's just it's not see, practical. You know, yeah, I no, see it was way. it was not that. I mean, it was a little well, of you, but it wasn't. It, here's fully. the thing, Mike. Mike really has been struggling with this decision because he has his. Um, he has his motorcycle and he has his um his GTO and then I have a I have our car and then I have a 79 um Jeep. And we have four cars and a motorcycle, which is ridiculous. Um uh, but but Mike really struggles with it cuz he's like gone through these cycles of I'm going to sell it, no I'm not going to sell it. And I think the hard thing for Mike is there's so few things that bring Mike such pure joy that those are those things and Yet, obviously, with the daughter now, she's an, she is a source of, of pure joy for him. So it's deciding between all of these things and being responsible. And I said to him, I was like, look, if you love them and you use them. But the motorcycle, he doesn't even ride. He's been – it's been getting fixed. And there's look at all he has this stuff. puppy dog look on I his know, face. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, – you, you, <laughs> there, there's what happens to you when you buy a lemon for a car and then what happened to me with my motorcycle, where which is dry anal rape with <laughs> with a sore. What? How much are you in for? Twelve? No, it's not even the money. It's the, oh. it's the unbelievable course of action that has. I bought the motorcycle. Uh, it's an old motor. It's a '68 BSA, and it's I, it was great. Uh, I got it to the point that it was running perfectly. Points are on set. Right around Venice, a little bit, and then I have a friend of a friend who is one of the most highly regarded, uh, like aftermarket kind of customization guys for classic motorcycles. And he's like, I'd love to, you know, trick it out. If you want me to go go crazy on it, I will. And I was like, dude, that'd be amazing. He uh, he has his own TV show, Cafe Racers. And this guy, uh, he's he's the man. And um, so I 
write it out there, drop it off. And he is diagnosed with like, I'm going to die cancer. So my bike sits in his garage for two years of him going, I'll get it back to you. I got to go in for chemo. And I'm, I'm, so I'm stuck in the place where I can't go, Hey motherfucker, no. what's going on? Because he's on his deathbed. Ugh. Working and, on your bike. Yeah. At the same time, I also can't just walk down there and take it back because I've already paid the deposit on the work he's done. So it's like demand a refund. And then it's just, it, so every day that went by, finally he, he recovers by the grace of God, fixes it. I get it back to my place. I drive 40 yards and the thing stalls. And so I'm like, Hey, uh, dude, you got to come in. So then it's the time. When can you, when, when are you going to be there for me to drive a tow out there? And so it just goes back and forth. And now I'm four years in and I've ridden the thing four miles. You know, it's just such a, Oh, Oh, that's right. Well, let me tell you something. Kids need to be pushed in the park. So there's not going to be a lot of motorcycle riding. Yeah. I, I, the motorcycle is a much easier decision to make because it's not only the whether or not it's practical, it's the danger aspect. I mean, it's just not, yeah, it's not safe. Hurt. You know? Yeah. Well, but anyways, that's what I've learned. Cause I love, I have a place in Joshua tree still. I used to go out there every weekend, three, three days a week, have a kid when they're a baby, you can still go do what you want to do when they get to be like a year. It's going to be less unless he likes it. He liked it till about a year ago. And now he never wants to go there. And I've had to say, you know what? I got. There's no point in having this house. I got to get rid of it. There's, you know what I mean? That those sacrifices as a dad that you have to make. Sure. Because we're not the hour by hour sacrificers that the moms are. But I, you know what I'm saying? You you certainly did it. You work and parent. That's what you do. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, See, I, I, it's I've, hard to indoctrinate new guys into the no, system. Sure. Really? Yeah, they they think they're going to have it all, kind of like you know what I mean. Well, there's That's, a weird that that happens with some new mothers too that I hear talk that they assume uh, that the child is going to fit into their life, not <laughs> vice versa. And you're like, oh no, yeah. you're like you don't understand. You have an idea of how much life's going to change, and then it happens, and you're like, oh my god. That's the my perfect, life's over. perfect but analogy. That's you who your think podcast that the, about a little bit, huh? Yeah. Well, I think. This I mean, correct, I, tell, tell about your podcast. Well, I'm not doing my podcast, oh, my podcast anymore. The podcast still exists, but you but just... Yeah, no. I just... Honestly, there's so much going on uh, in our lives with work, and I really had to choose the things I want to focus on, and it was becoming a thing that actually felt more detrimental to my time and energy with my daughter and with Mike and with everything else, so um, Ellie took it over, but it's a great podcast. It's called Atomic Moms, and it's um, about all levels of parenting, but the thing that I was most surprised about when... I had Magnolia. We had Magnolia. Was no, you had her. <laughs> I yes. was there, but <laughs> you had her. <laughs> um, is that th- there's nothing else in life that you have um, except maybe addiction? I would say where you're so intrinsically connected to it that no matter if you are on the opposite end of the planet, you are still connected. tethered and yeah. connected, and. Um, I just, I used to go, uh, once a year to retreat on retreat just by myself. I would go somewhere and completely disconnect. And even when I would just go on vacation, Mike and I would go on vacation. I always was able to cut off from everything else and be there. And then I remember when she was about six months old, we went on a weekend trip and I was on the beach and I was like, Oh my, I'm never going to be by myself ever. Like I can't, I can't disconnect. I can't cut off. And that is a very overwhelming and exhausting. Well, for modern parents, I think it is because in our day and age, it was 
18, 17 more years of this. There was a countdown to it. Yeah. Now we're the new generation of parenting where it's never going to end. They're never, it's, it, I don't know. Also, There's an I think in a, in a different generation on. where Bianca's talking about, I'll never be alone. My parents were alone all the time. <laughs> and, I was, and I was alone all the time. I mean, that was a different generation. It was like, you know, my father was not this guy, but I, uh, Greg Fitzsimmons made this analogy and, and he, he was very correct. Like, if you were a dad in the seventies or, or before, you know, even in the early eighties, like like my parents, sixties, yeah, you dads were. you you worked, and then if you were nice enough on the weekends if to you're like a play good dad, with if you're your a good kid, dad, you saw your kid on Saturday, yeah, like right. that, and and people were like, that you've done your dad duty, yeah. Now, I mean, the the t- now, it's totally different. There, yeah. I, How much I, did Don Draper do? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah exactly. Well, yeah. look at it this way. I We just said we're at Wonderland School. We're. That's how we talk about it. We're at Wonderland School. Like, fucking three of us are going. No, <laughs> our kid is going there. But on opening couple of days in the kindergarten class, for three days, parents are welcome to stay the whole time. Oh. At a public school, on the first two days I went, I said, I'll do like two, I guess. Both parents... Of nine of the 15 kids, the dads took off work to go to a fucking kindergarten classroom and sit there and do nothing because you want to be doing the right thing as a dad and be rewarded if as you the did dad. That, if you did that in there was no reason for the dads your, there. Their, your yeah, you would go back to work and every guy there would put a cigarette butt out in your face and go, you pussy, what is wrong with you? I don't even think the moms the were too. there. I don't even think the moms were there in the 70, early 70s. No, you, you. Part of the deal was the transition from being with the child to leaving the child, and so they always, they always, there was a whole, whole literature around it. Mom is supposed to feel the pain, you know, feel the, you know, feel the separation, cry whatever you need to do by yourself, and let the child feel the separation by him or herself. She got all upset because I was, I was too, I was too. <laughs> Yeah, I was ready. You wanted to go? She, I was, I, I was, she said she was, uh, dropped me off at nursery school. And, uh, and, and she goes, okay, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm like, yep, yep. Sign up. <laughs> yeah, she goes, no, no, I'm leaving. Yep. Bring me a popsicle when you get back. I said something like that. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm busy. And uh, she went out and cried. Yeah. So, well, I always wonder from an evolutionary standpoint, like, what is, like what are we what are we supposed to do? What did we start out doing? And obviously that changes because technology changes and everything so, around us. Social norms. Social change. norms. Did change, you see yeah. the movie Babies? No, I heard about you it. You got to see it. Yeah. The best mother, in my opinion, is the woman in Africa when the kid comes around and needs and nurtures and encourages and supports. But when he's just coming around being a, a just seeking attention or whatever she pushes him aside so and you would be you would be charged as a crime in the united states for what is totally thought to be appropriate parenting in africa that's exactly how bianca treats me (laughs) (laughs) she'll be connected every once in a while but when i just want some puss well that and that's that's the problem now i think is that we are scheduling every second of kids lives so that there is no time for them to become independent thinkers and people because and especially now with like phones louis ck does that great bit about how um you know even when you're standing in line those times when you look at the world around you or you kind of get to to understand who you are as a person in relation to the world we're you're stuck in these things you're interrupted, yeah. yeah but also um you know there's 
people feel like they have to interact with their kids at all times. I mean, Mike and I, one of the things I love so much about Magnolia is she is such like, she'll be off on her own doing something. And, um, we were home with family and someone went over to do something. I'm like, let her be like leave. She's in her own space. She doesn't need anything. She's just in the company of herself. Um, and we're ruining that for kids, for their ability to just exist and be, I came to that conclusion about like just in life and i know that i have a very unique set of circumstances doing what i do for a living who i have for a wife and the, like the whole setup is very unique for me but i i really came to the conclusion about three or four weeks ago uh when bianca was filming a, an independent film and she was gone all day i mean like call time 8 a.m and she was gone till well after sundown and i was just spending an entire sunday with just it was like really focused connection between my daughter and i and I had like all these grandiose plans. Well, let's go to the Getty and let's go to, you oh, know, boy. and we could have, we could have done all that. And I realized very, like an hour after Bianca left, she just wants to jump Color. in the puddle and, oh, cuddle yeah. and, 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 pe- and paint. And how and, old is she? Uh, she'll be two in April. There you go. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I realized as I was, dra- she finally fell asleep for a nap that day. And as we just went as the day took us and had fun doing whatever, and I went uh, for a drive because she fell asleep in the car and I was driving around just killing time thinking. And I was like, that's kind of how I've found success in my life too. Every time I think I'm going to make an event, the happen. nightclub yeah, yeah. to meet a girl and I'm going to get a relationship. Nothing's ever come of it. I met Bianca totally by accident, just doing my life, but you know, going to love line, every TV show I've ever pitched where I had a blueprint and a write up, and I did, I did a, for a rundown for a pilot. Nothing ever came of it. I got a, a, a like this amazing animated show that I'm producer and and star of co- fully unfolding from a guy and I having a cup of coffee and just shooting the shit. It was like totally and rent- he and he came to you. Yeah, you know. So like, there is something to be said for the kind of the the, the organic nature and the the spontaneity and kids of life. Are not allowed know? that with all this. Elvis has play dates on March third. They're already arranged and the emails <laughs> are going back and forth for fucking five year olds. A month from now. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And I have to go pick him up right now, too. <laughs> <laughs> He's interfering with your work. <laughs> you know, kids come first, Drew. In How, our society, you got to put your children you're, first. Your your brain's a lot more fully formed than mine. Not but, at all. But um, if, I, if I had a son named Elvis, there would be no end to the amount of times I would say, Elvis has left the building. I say it a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, I would not stop. Every time he goes somewhere, I'd be like, "Well, hey, I Bianca. use it. I use it in all kinds of terms." When he falls asleep, I go, "Elvis is now asleep," because <laughs> that's my hardest thing when he's with me, like tonight and tomorrow night. I can't get him to sleep. It's like he goes to sleep. I fell. We thought I fell asleep like last. What what is uh, Wednesday? And I fell asleep, and then I woke up like two hours later, and he was on the iPad playing ABC Mouse. And I was like, how the fuck? You, what are you doing? <laughs> it's not okay. <laughs> Who's in charge here? <laughs> I ask myself that a lot. So I got to go get him. But right. it's so nice to meet you. And hopefully I can do it again. Bob yes. Forrest, we will, we'll have Bob Forrest replaced by the great Shelly Spray. Oh Step on in, Shelly. Oh, we'll take a break. Bring Shelly. True, true, true. Wait, wait. No, don't oh. take a break. Oh, Hello. Hey, now. Hi. Uh, we'll be right back after this. Bye-bye. 
All conversations and information exchanged during participation in the This Life with Dr. Drew and Bob Forrest podcast or interaction with drdrew.com website is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction per se. Nothing on these podcasts or posted on this site supplements or supersedes the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the sites or podcasts. Welcome back to this live with Dr. Drew and Bob Forrest. And in for Bob Forrest, the great Shelly Sprague. Hi. Hey now. Hello. So, have you met these guys? You met Mike, obviously. Yeah, I've, I've known Mike for a bit, and then I just met his lovely wife, just and learning met. all about her and their daughter. And uh, Shelly is a 15-year-old now. Oh, my oh. God. So maybe you yeah. can, answer, yeah, Sorry. daughter. Yeah. And mm-hmm. maybe you can, uh, mm-hmm. maybe you guys have, maybe you can shed some light on the early childhood parenting. Yes, the early childhood parenting is extremely intense. Um, oh, that's my daughter now. Uh, she's <laughs> telling me the Orkin man is there and what should she do? Um, but Figure it know, out. Like, I'm like, ah, oh, whatever, it's send fine. Him, send him to our house. I, I have a question for you since yes. we're just starting out with this. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it like being a, when do you guys, when you, do you refer to yourselves as former addicts or as uh, you're in recovery? What do you, how do you, how do you I, say I know, I'm always an addict. You, know? you always to say me, addict. That, they, but yeah. they just say I'm in, well, I'm in recovery. That's always yeah. the situation. Yeah. I'm yeah. not an active user. Is what, what do you think? But, but when you have a child, um, was that a fear of yours of going through those uh, those times with your child when they discovered drugs, alcohol, the pressures of that, knowing what is coming into it genetically? I mean, how do you, I'm so curious about that because obviously we are not there yet. And um, I know there's a great deal of the disease on my side of the family and obviously on Mike's um, and how to approach that, how you, how you, because kids are going to be kids and obviously it's going to be all around them. Yeah, I'm having that, you know, really up front now because everybody's on the weed. Everybody's on the weed. And, good for you, know, you man. So everybody is, is around plan. her is doing that. Um, I've been very, I mean, I'm just a very straightforward person. And when she is asking me questions, I'm just being honest. And so she knows that genetically her predisposed Icelandic, Irish, Scottish, um, You're like these, the perfect recipe. Yes, these the, she is very predisposed. Now her personality, when I look at her personality, she probably isn't very as as nearly as adventurous as I was. Yeah. So she's a little cautious. So I talk to her in in terms that she has been able to understand all up through her childhood, and now she's 15, and now it's like, I'm sorry, you can't be around people who smoke weed. That's just not going to happen. And you cannot experiment with weed. You cannot experiment with alcohol until you are older because you cannot do this to your brain right now. And I'm very scientific about it. And I just tell her, this is your time in your brain where you are developing your early adulthood. You cannot risk that by doing all of these things. And she understands. She's very bright. She completely understands. She learned how to clap in Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay, so she gets it. She knows that mom doesn't, yeah. that dad doesn't, yeah. and I, we don't. I, I would add to that, 
again, you need a super clear message for a teenager. It's not, well, you can just do it here, but not here. You can do it in our house, but not, no. no. Clarity. No. Simple. Here's the rules. And I, I always distill it down to, hey, I don't allow, do I allow any other illegal activities in my house? Right. Is there anything right. else illegal I allow mm-hmm. you to do? Well, this is not, will not be this allowed either. It's illegal mm-hmm. for you yeah. to drink, for you to smoke pot. Right. And I will bring mm-hmm. the force of, if I find that you're breaking the law, I will allow the law to have at you. And I will not bail you out. Have you been really open with her about your experiences or? Well, my experience are kind of, I'm like kind of out there, yeah. you know, which was a, which was a fear, you know, of, of people that I knew that, you know, you're going on television, you're talking about this, you're talking about your history, you know, how do you, are you worried about that? And between me and my daughter, um, we are very upfront and direct with each other we have a very open line of communication she talks to me about sex she talks to me about boys she talks to me about grades she talks to me about teachers she talks to me about what she's doing so we have a very open dialogue and I raised her in such a way that I gave her the information she was asking for yeah and I didn't push it on her but when she had a question I sat down and I answered it in the best of my ability for her development. And, and then at the end of it, that's the best way to approach whatever the topic is. Or always toss out, do you ever have any questions about or open-ended questions? And at the end, did I answer your question? Do you have any more? Did that did that make sense to you? Not, and oh, by the way, here comes your plumbing lesson or whatever else it is you want them to know. Don't right, do it. Right. Don't do it. I think that that was the big failure of, you know, certainly when I was growing up, the, the campaign to avoid or to prevent kids from getting into drugs was that it was filled with misinformation and it was completely not the Mm -hmm. the information they gave you was was erroneous and also they were refusing to give any it was the just say no yes but kids are way more curious and intuitive than people think and they go but why does that mean And if you just were to say well if you smoke weed before a certain age it's going to damage your brain and you probably it'll help it's not it will wire your brain to need weed to function i either got no information or Mm -hmm. i got like the dare program the dare program (laughs) where they're like if you do cocaine you immediately will be licking assholes for (laughs) 50 cents wait a second mike's like i'm in (laughs) (laughs) where do i sign up it's so crazy because you saying that mike i think about I had a really bad experience on ecstasy when I was in college. And thankfully, I think that that experience prevented me from when I moved to LA doing it. It was terrified because uh, it was the first time I realized it it was whatever it was. It was a terrible mix of things. And I totally (laughs) freaked out. And um, and was running down a street uh, in Pullman, Washington, where I went to college. And I remember thinking, number one, I'm dying. I'm definitely dying. Mm -hmm. And number two was, oh, my God. When my parents come to identify the body, they'll know that I did drugs. That was <laughs> those were your two, two thoughts. Those were your two thoughts. But right. um, but what's crazy is that I I think now like I had no idea what I was taking. I just uh, yeah. my friends yeah. were like, "This is ecstasy. Everybody does it. It's a lot of fun." Like there was no like. By the way, this could totally fuck up your head. Could be. Yeah. Um, and it could it, be it did. It was a catalyst for a major pan- uh, anxiety disorder, and I started having panic attacks and of all. Course. Of- and um, we, see, we see a lot of that big stuff. Deal. Yeah, That's a I, big and from deal. Pot too. I had yeah. no idea. I had no idea that my brain could work independent of me. That uh-huh. it could, right? That it could freak me out like People that. People still. I have didn't know with that. any of that stuff. Yeah. I had no education. So I talked to Ivy about the brain. I went to her 
her middle school for all the health classes and did a mini brain lecture that they could understand at that level of development. And you would be so surprised. These kids are asking me about crocodile. They're asking me about stuff in, you know, cause they're so exposed. Yeah. They learn about everything and they have all these questions about what's this drug and what's that drug and what does this do and what does that do? And here's the scariest question I get. Well, my dad drinks every day. Right. Is he an alcoholic? That was the scariest question. It was like, well, I don't know. I don't know your father. I have no idea. But I can say that maybe you could ask him a question about it. Yeah. That's all I could and say. ask about his parents. Did, yeah. Did they have alcohol? Did they have did it? They because, they and, and I just pro- approach it as purely scientific. And I really think that my daughter, because of what I've become, she respects the fact that I'm honest with her and that I don't try to pretend I'm somebody else. And that I don't try to, to, you know, make up stories about how I was a great teenager and all of that stuff. I just don't. I just tell her, no, it's a nightmare. Go ask my mom. Now, you you have two different stories. I mean, that's that's Shelly's as the mom version. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she, everything she did was exactly right. I think he should talk about it in the context and, and take to meetings and that kind of thing. I think participating in the recovery, I think, is a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, think seeing definitely. it and stuff. And not, not at two, but maybe at 11 or 12. Exactly. I mean, Ivy pre-puber. knows what yeah. drug addiction is. She yeah. knows that drugs aren't necessarily and, bad for everyone, but to become addicted to them is very, very and, and serious. And here's the consequence. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what happens. Very happened serious. But you have a different challenge, uh, which is the straight parent or the so-called straight parent uh, shouldn't answer any questions. Because really? er- everything you did... If you describe it to your kid, is issuing a license to start again right there. Hmm, that's interesting. Every, every, whatever you did, the ex in college, I'll start right there. The pot in high school, whatever, I'll start right there. So what? Mm, never ever don't, yeah. uh, yeah. don't ever lie to your kids, right? But always say, I, "We're not going to discuss what I did or didn't do. Here's what I expect from you." And you mm-hmm. saw what happened to your dad. So right. naturally, I have concerns. Right. So that that's it. Now, when they're adult, fine, have talk about it. Yeah. But in adolescence, no. No, we have expectations because I've seen it a billion times. Yeah. The parents go, yeah. hey, man, I'm your buddy, man. I'm your mm-hmm. chummy. I'm your chummy dad. Yeah. We, yeah. I smoked pot when I was in the ninth grade. I get a, it. I got panic attacks. Yeah. I get you. I understand. Experiment. They, That's, right that, that is what they're going to take away from that. It doesn't mean they're doing that, but that's the takeaway. Right. And with my daughter, you know, I didn't raise her like a lot of the things you were talking about earlier on the show about overscheduling and about overdoing and, and, and having, you know, being a helicopter parent. I just didn't feel my child just didn't really need that after her first five years that I did attachment parenting and I really bonded with her. Then she was able to, you know, I had to go away and let her move forward. And that worked. It yeah. really worked. She is independent. But that, she, that's part of the attachment mechanism. It's called rapprochement. You ever heard of this? Uh, no. It's actually one of the more delicate parts of parenting, which is the going and coming. Mm-hmm. You know, how much right. do you bring them in? How much do mm-hmm. you push them out? Mm-hmm. That's what we're dealing with now with young adults. And and when they, the main thing is they're in control. It's like think of them at a playground. They go out, they play. Mommy, mommy, look at me, look at me. That's mm-hmm. connection yeah, back. Yeah. And they come back. Did you see what I did? You give the connection. Mm-hmm. They go back out after refueling. 
it's like a, it's like a jet, like a plane that's going out, coming back for refueling, yeah. coming back. But they still might want you some connection at a distance, and then that distance gets more yeah. And then and more. when they're fifteen, they're so unimpressed with you. Yeah. They are not happy to see you. They are bored with everything that you have said that you do say. They are not impressed with you whatsoever, and you have to beg them to come out of their room. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I did attachment parenting for five years. I think too. There's a there's a added layer of not only taking a step back but you also have to take a step back while at the same time encouraging them to go be independent That's as opposed the pushing part. as it just opposed to mm-hmm. taking a step back and letting them isolate you know it's right. like i'm taking a step yeah. back so that you could develop your own personality and your Absolutely. own ideals and all and mm-hmm. not taking a step back so that you can vegetate you know that's well a- I, in my in my hippy dippy ways uh one of the greatest lessons i think i've learned so far is we um we also have been practicing attachment parenting for the most part um and we uh, co-slept with magnolia uh-huh. and then it got to a point well, my whole approach to everything is like when it no longer when it's affecting us mm-hmm. then it's affecting her okay. so if we're okay. if we're uh miserable sleeping miserable sleeping and mm-hmm. we're not getting sleep and it's making yeah. us shitty parents during the mm-hmm. day then that's right. no longer okay the the what we're gonna do so sure. Um, we finally, it got to the point where we weren't getting any sleep because she was realizing, um, she was finally, uh, she would go to sleep in her bed for the first couple hours and then she would wake up for a feed (laughs) and she would come in and feed and fall asleep and we'd all sleep together. Right. No longer working. So Mm -hmm. we decided it's time to sleep train. We met with a sleep trainer and, um, she said, you know, we can do this several different ways. Uh, and I was not cool with anything that involved leaving her in the room to cry because to me, I was like, she's been in the bed with mm-hmm. us. I can't do that. Right. So we did this whole thing where we put her in the bed and we would sit on the floor next to the crib until she would fall asleep. Right. And that actually worked brilliantly. And she mm-hmm. got it the first night within 15 minutes. And that was kind of the end of the story. But what started happening was <laughs> she's so smart uh-huh. and she would slowly lure us and pull us back in. So it'd be uh-huh. a couple months of great. Right. Uh-huh. And then suddenly <laughs> suddenly we realized wait i've been in the bedroom for an hour singing you are my sunshine what happened (laughs) yes um and i spoke with um the the woman who helped us and she said do you believe that you have the capacity the same capacity to love your child whether you are holding her in your arms or you are in the other room Mm -hmm. and i said absolutely and she said you need to trust that that love goes beyond physical touch uh-huh. and that you can hold the space for them and still have that energetic connection to them even in in another room mm-hmm. and um i really had a hard time with that at first but i've come to understand how true that is and it's really helped me in that i don't need to be hovering over her i don't need to have her in my arms every moment of the day for her to feel connected to me right when you say you had right. trouble with it what was the problem I just didn't trust that that was possible that she would feel my love without me standing over her and holding her and touching her. I, I felt like I had to be. Well, she also doesn't make it easy. She like you'll be in the other room. She's like, Mama, I need, Mama, I need you, Mama, Mama. Like your heart breaks. I got it easy. I was like, Oh, she's she's calling for you. Well, I do understand the sleep training. My daughter was born with a heart defect, and she was she had open heart surgery at birth. Oh my god! She was in you know Cedar Sinai intensive care unit, PICU, NICU. We slept at the hospital for a month. So when she got home we were all traumatized yeah so what we had to figure out was how to do this now she was a no thriving she needed medication every 12 hours she had doctor's appointments constantly um so we had a really rough 
rough beginning and had we didn't you know have to go through that i think the sleep training would have been would would have worked but again it's like it's so different for each child and ivy could not tolerate being in a crib she never slept in a crib she couldn't tolerate it she couldn't tolerate not being near me right for five years I mean it was a long time but I I I hung in there and it worked out I'm just gonna tell you like it'll work out somehow like when she's motivated to sleep on her own then she'll be motivated to sleep on her own sometimes she comes and sleeps with me now but I don't I know that that sleep training part she would get so upset that she would start throwing up yeah and and that was so it just wasn't for her you know what I mean it just wasn't something she could tolerate it almost sounds like she you guys had major catch-up to do because she Mm -hmm. didn't get that that constant contact that we normally get for that that first month right I couldn't even hold her yeah for five days yeah five days she was in intubated on tubes I didn't get to bond with her we had to teach her how to eat we had to teach her how to you know she she was just in a in an incubator the whole time you know it's like an extended womb it was an extended it was and then it was extended period of period of of problems you know so it was different so we're very connected in a different way yeah so she's kind of special like that in, in that way so my parenting style probably you know wouldn't work for Many well, people, except with multiple children, that multiple children, I don't even know. I couldn't even well, that's have why I another Su- child. Susan wanted to talk about. Oh that. yeah, Susan. Yeah. Multiple all at once. More, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> I get an anxiety attack thinking about this. Do right, you we'll, want to talk we'll about take it? Take a break and bring her in. Okay. So Welcome back to this life with Dr. Bob Forrest. Our guests are. Um, Mike Catherwood, my co-host on Loveline and KBC uh, Midday Live, Bianca Kylick from Undateable, and Shelly Sprague. No, Shelly, I was going to put her on my mic. Shelly's running away. No, I want the moms all in there. I no? was going to say, okay, the, well, we can do we, that. We can share a mic, Bianca. Oh, yeah, we can share a mic. Musical. Shelly, come here. Well, you know, I'm really excited to get to be on the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's hard for me to stay quiet in the background. It's really difficult. <laughs> well, especially when we're talking about parenting, because you're like the queen mother. Oh, three well, kids at once. Yeah, I and, know that is a, and and honestly, I was feat. I was actually writing copy for Drew to talk on to talk about at the end of the show and I wasn't really focusing on your conversation so um sleep deprivation was like two years of no sleep literally right didn't know what it meant until Mm -hmm. I woke up one day and I had sleep after two years and that was because Douglas had brain surgery when he was 13 months oh my god yeah and so he you know he had that arachnoid cyst and I had to go into the hospital with him and that was a really strange time for me because um, I had to separate from the other two. Right. And, you know, because we were all a right. unit and then all of a sudden mom was gone. And then mm-hmm. they brought the other two to the hospital to see me. And it was almost like they didn't recognize me or they like I was an alien to them after mm-hmm. like a week because you yeah. have to right. you have yeah. to sleep in the hospital with the baby for the week. And then uh-huh. you have to be there like round the clock. And, mm-hmm. you know, right. it, it was sort of like life before uh the surgery before that the surgery and life mm-hmm. after like okay. i turned into right. the mother at that point in my life like okay. it wasn't i hadn't really focused on it it was only mm-hmm. like a year into triplets but it was so oh. crazy and yeah we were just juggling so much but his sleep problems 
were bad because he was having a problem with his brain and we didn't know it for right. the first year. And then he would wake up in the middle of the night and he'd wake me up and then mm-hmm. I wanted to kill him. Right. And I asked uh, our friend Larry Johnson, I said, what does it mean if I want to kill my child? And so next thing you know, I was on Prozac. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, right. Because <laughs> I did want to kill him. Right. I was like, I have to sleep and mm-hmm. stop crying in the middle of the night because he would, he would spit out his sucky and then we would uh, pass fire. Mm-hmm. And um, we would... We, I went to the doctor and I got, you know, the willful child book they gave uh-huh. me to read and, mm-hmm. and I did everything by the book, but it, it helped a little bit, but it wasn't quite it. But, but right. be that as it may, I was, I was struggling with everything and oh. just trying to keep them on some kind of a schedule so I wouldn't lose my mind. Yeah. I mean, how do you need help? Do you have to enlist oh, we, people? We had I mean, people around the clock. You need a team. No, we need, yeah, we had yeah, around the clock okay. help. We had, mm. I mean, I still have Delmi and Teresa working for me today. Okay. Like now Delmi's my personal assistant, but uh-huh. now she's actually overtaking care of Drew's 91 year old mother. Instead, oh. she's great with kids. She's been with me forever. And I found her at about age four. Teresa was here. She was my housekeeper and she was here since before they were born. And then we okay, also had, we had another nanny. Well, at the beginning, you know, you have to have. I had I, to get sleep. I'm actually sleep. curious. It, uh, was the brain surgery what made Douglas such a giant pussy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he goes. The other day, he said, um, he said, you know, Mom, I I I wish I hadn't done football. You know, I wish I had just been doing music and whatever. And I said, yeah, but you'd be, you know, a huge pussy. <laughs> I did say it to him. <laughs> so, no, he there. There was no sleep for two years. It was just it. Was, but we at the beginning we had a schedule. We we had to time everything. We had to put everything on charts. Uh-huh. It's like having patients, you know. Uh, right. We, you okay. know they had to get yeah, fed. Makes sense. This one had a bottle. That one had a bottle. Treatment that one had a plan. Yeah, it was like, and, and I read that in some triplet book, you know, mm-hmm. you got to get all these charts and they had these like mm-hmm. pre-made charts you could order on the internet. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I would like check off when one would get right. a bottle because we couldn't keep track. We had 30 bottles in the refrigerator. Oh my gosh. We had 30 diapers in the diaper pail oh a day. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that, that Shelly and Bianca, mostly, I mean, I was chiming in, we're talking about how you got to kind of throw out the notion of scheduling to let kids grow up again. But with, when you have triplets, that's not an option. No oh no. And it's it not was an really bad because no we were helicopter parents. I, I could be considered a tiger mom actually. So mm-hmm. I, you know, we had the piano lesson, then we had the skating lesson. We had the, uh-huh. But you know, yeah. I had to keep them busy because they would drive me crazy sure, if I didn't. Sure. And, that makes sense. and there wasn't a lot of, I mean, they went to school, they came home and studied, they did their nightly routines. We had dinner together every night for dinner. And we had, you know, we'd all meet at a certain time. We'd all go to each other's events. But you know, looking back, I mean, maybe Drew Douglas was right. He shouldn't have played football. And I wanted him to play baseball, but he had to play yeah, football. Well. But um, he, he, they all would have turned out fine if we hadn't given him such a huge routine. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paulina probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have an eating disorder either because mm-hmm. figure skating okay. was like, is a, the is worst. A, right yeah. underneath modeling is like the God, most. And yeah. we didn't expect ballet, it. Ballet, we, I was ballet. Yeah. We totally did not expect it though. It was mm-hmm. so weird. Like we were all like, what? But, you know, we, it happened and it, she's worked through it. She's had a lot of therapy and great that you guys have the treatment available. That's the number one thing. She did it herself. She went, she got, checked herself in and, and the beauty of college is that your, your tuition, if you buy the insurance, when you get your college tuition, Mm -hmm. the, all the 
everything's covered. Okay. So therapy okay. was covered for four years. Oh my nice. gosh! And then when Brilliant. she quit, I got the bills. So uh-huh. trust right. me, it's yes. like oh. <laughs> my and daughter it, asked me to go to therapy, and I was like, okay, no. let's put you right in. No, no, and I don't have any problem with that. I wish Douglas had done it in college because, but he was so busy and he was just focusing on so many things. But you know, he has a little PTSD it, it, thing going on. Yeah. And but his, I mean, his whole thing is just because he's so creative. I mean, yeah, he's, he's super creative. He's so he's, different than the other, and he's driven, kids, and yeah. he's he just wants to be that thing that he wants to uh-huh. be, and he's doing fine. I mean, they're great. I mean, he's he's um, if you're in the creating arts, music and yeah, if you go into the arts uh, or any type of endeavor that you know like the entertainment industry, you could say it's, it's very unsatisfying to be in your early twenties, you know, unless you're Justin Bieber, um, because your friends who are accounting majors or going to (laughs) law school or going to medical school or are doing all these things that are kind of a little bit more structured and planned out. Um, it makes you day by day by day, regardless of how much hunger you have for your, for your given field or your passion, you get stir crazy and you start to think like, I'm going to be 30 before I know it and I'm going to be jobless. Also, it's so frustrating because, you know, most people I think uh, start out uh, going into the arts, whether it be music, because they really are artists and they want to create. And it's such a business. He is a musician. He was born a musician. Mm -hmm. He has the genetics of a musician. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like Jordan is a mathematician. He got the math gene. And then Mm -hmm. Douglas got the ability to play music and sing music and just create it i mean like no other in the family yeah so he's doing that he's doing what he loves but you know i had to force him through it you know i had to make sure Mm -hmm. he kept doing those piano lessons like i said i was a tiger mom i was like no you're not quitting and i mean it was like (laughs) go back to the piano very chinese of you (laughs) (laughs) well ivy goes to the the uh school for the arts she's we we started a charter school los feliz charter school for the arts over here and i was a founding parent of that school so we really believe in the arts and and ivy was able to to basically go to a charter school that was all around uh the arts music and and so now she's you know she's doing performing she loves to do all of these things and she she stopped piano and moved to the guitar so now we're in rock and roll okay <laughs> well as long we're as she loves it and she's willing to area. put the time in you know and it's, she is yeah. i mean he comes home he plays probably piano like maybe two or three hours a day here and then mm-hmm. but you know his with his brain injury that he had he needed you know like extra time on test it was a little harder for him he had to really focus but the one thing when he would get depressed or like frustrated with whatever was going on on in his life because he was also uh, habitually hurting himself and getting hurt and injured in sports Mm -hmm. so he was like always that kid that like the other three never had surgery other two never had surgery and he Mm. was he had always the one you know getting hurt and he has a little trauma there but um but the piano and the music would just bring him back and center him and that's Mm -hmm. just what he loves to do Mm -hmm. now if he turns into a you know a huge success one day i i don't know if it'll happen but he's right now he's enjoying it so and happy kids but it's a hard business happy kids are the best kids yeah the happy kids no my kids are all great they're all happy and happy kids. But, you know those first few years the first two years were just a nightmare mm-hmm. i can't imagine because we mm-hmm. i mean i for the first time this past week told mike i said uh on thursday like today was the first day that I had the thought I could imagine having another kid, and we have one. Uh-huh. Right. Happens, right? Is it? We, we even thought about it. Oh my! Oh. After three, 
They were like, no they were like six months old and they were all laying on the bed and they no. were so cute. We, we were like, oh, and I said, I'm only going to have a baby once. Like, I don't get to go through the baby again. And we went, oh, and then they all started crying at the same time. We we're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want three either. Yeah. If this ever oh happened to me, I, I wouldn't wish this on my that's just enemy. sounds so it was challenging. So <laughs> it sounds so I, I honestly can't even wrap my head around the idea <laughs> of three at one time. Me neither. I, I mean, know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have made it. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how you guys made it. I really don't. I would have. I would have lost my mind. I mean, I think that we talked about this when you did our po- podcast. That it, part of it is that when you don't know any different, you don't have anything to compare it to, and that mm-hmm. doesn't make it in any way shape or form easy but at least you're just in the mentality of i just have to do this it was a science yeah, project I, <laughs> I mean i had i had so many needles at the beginning i worked mm-hmm. so hard to get pregnant i really wanted to be pregnant i just i wanted kids it's just one of those things people don't i wanted kids and when three came along i just said okay i'm just gonna have to do this and i the nine months were hell but right. but it, it it was the best thing that ever happened to me, you know, because I am, uh-huh. I, I would be a complete loser and narcissist now if I didn't have those didn't kids. Have the children? Because they've taught, yes. they've taught me so much. And they're, That's so amazing. And Drew's taught me so much. And they, I mean, I've evolved a lot since, you know, Drew can probably attest to this, but um, <laughs> I was like a bikini model from K-Rock. So, you know, it was a lot different then. <laughs> um, but it was, it was just such a challenge, but it was also like the most important thing that's ever happened in my life as far as i IQ would agree average, yeah though, short of meeting drew of course uh, yeah. as far as iq average though bikini model from k-rock ranks higher than on-air personality at <laughs> I, I can tell you that i was more a little nervous. bit higher yeah it's a little higher right. but the things that your children teach you that you can't learn any other way yeah and this christmas was made. amazing because i always had like this dream and this vision of one day sitting at christmas dinner and having my kids drive the conversation like you know yeah. they weren't at the kids table anymore sure this was the year i felt like they were they were the most interesting people mm-hmm. to listen to and they all had a great conversation and it went beyond whatever i could ever talk about but that was sort of that that's such a great feeling that's you know when so they're adults beautiful. and they you gotta I go into it though i think with you gotta be at the right place in your life because i so desperately wanted kids all my life all my adult life even as a kid i wanted kids but i knew i'd wait till i got to the right age and during my 20s and in my during my first marriage i just so desperate every day i was i thought you know this is going to be after all the years of therapy after sobriety after all the things i've done to try to pull myself out of this funk um I'll have a kid and that'll make me better. And by I'm so lucky that I finally had a child at a point in my life where I wasn't looking for some like lifesaver. Mm-hmm. I was I oh, wanted right. to have a child because I wanted it was the right to have time. a child. You know, it wasn't Yeah, because wasn't it could expecting... be a disaster if it's at the wrong time. Sure. You know. Well, and even Well, ask my parents. <laughs> <laughs> even what I thought was so interesting about our experience having Magnolia was that um you know, leading up to the birth, uh, the, everyone that I worked with from my widwa- midwife to the doula, you know, were always like wanting to know what trauma do I have in the past? What, you know, is there any sexual abuse or any anything that could come up, you know, because a lot of times they see that right after the, said, the birth. What, what trauma do you have, Bianca? And they said, she said, have you met my husband? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what's so crazy is they didn't ask Mike any of that. Hmm. And about three days postpartum uh mike disappeared and Mm -hmm. i don't mean like uh, physically like he he mentally disappeared and um 
when we went in to talk to our midwife um, and we'd gotten some help and we, you know, thankfully had a great um, person that was able to talk to him and realize like this was bringing up the birth brought up all of his old stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, they said, you know, it's so we're so glad that you guys are t- telling us about this because what it makes us realize is we need to talk to the dads too. It can't just oh. be about the mom mm-hmm. um, because it was it was Mike Mike absolutely we're so happy sir that you're such a disaster <laughs> that you brought this to our attention we now know a new treatment model based it, on it, it was, Mike it was essentially I, I'll, I'll never forget I, was, I hate to put my poor dad out like this but uh, we were in Europe and we were at dinner it was just my father and I and we were at this unbelievable restaurant my dad's big like he's real dorky for the culinary arts we were at this un- just like Michelin rated restaurant <laughs> and uh, they they brought out the like one of the courses and it was this lamb chop and it was a fucking unbelievable. And my dad just like threw it in his face and inhaled <laughs> it, you know, at this place where people are accustomed to taking their time. With, and they just they no waiter asked anything or, or even they just looked over and brought him another one. And, <laughs> and I said, you understand what just happened? Dad? Like they were bumping elbows watching us and they said ah this man's a uh, disgusting pig let us <laughs> yes, make sure that one. he doesn't have any any space on his plate let's just bring him another one without even asking so that's where you got it yeah i mean i guess oh yeah I'm, I, my parents in their own separate ways fed me gluttony you know like the idea mm. of pushing the envelope you know like when, mm. when shelly was saying um you know, my daughter's not as adventurous as I was. That's the thing that I see in all my friends that grew up to be addicts uh-huh. and all, and me. And mm-hmm. is it like stuff that really terrifies me mm-hmm. just keeps drawing me back. Want to yeah. do it. I just, I, I, that feeling you get in the pit of your stomach, like when you're going down the, the, the part of the roller coaster that makes you go like that feeling when you confront something that does that to me, I, I love it. Mm-hmm. I hate it in the moment, but at the same time, like I, I'm almost, it just draws it's like, you back. I'm like sexually aroused by it. I, mm-hmm. I just like the idea of being on that edge. And that is the common thread. All, mm-hmm. all the kids that like, you know, we would be lighting fireworks when we were little, mm-hmm. and there was the half of the kids were like, we should probably leave. And then there was four or five of us that are like, Oh no. Oh, your, your dad has, your dad has guns. Oh, where they at? You know, and like and some of the kids were right. like, "Dude, you're, that's insane! I'm going to leave this house right now. You're going to bring that's out a fire." Such a dude thing, yeah. you know? It's like so funny. But wait, so that's that's the the dopamine, right? That's yes, the going exactly. to the place of I need something mm-hmm. that is stimulating that part for me. But we have such a large capacity for dopamine. I think with these with these brains, how what makes us excited makes other people angry terrified uncomfortable all of these different things but for us it makes us alive yeah. and that's the difference and i was i was literally leaving the house in my diapers like what's going on across the street like what's happening down the street because whatever's happening here is boring and i was literally on the go literally so so that's just like you came into this world with that that was already there yeah absolutely i came in and i was like ready to live does magnolia have those personality traits she does but she still is very connected like it's it's i'm gonna go but i'm also gonna make sure hand hand you've got my hand so it's she wants to go and do it but she's she was always like we were talking about earlier checking back in right Mm -hmm. douglas and paulina kind of had it too and we were always watching them but they're fine. Mm-hmm. They don't have it. But it's yeah. the two of your kids that are 
more creative. Yeah, they were. I mean, they they had like a lot of energy, and I worried about Douglas a lot more, and and um, he's you know because he was kind of fidgety and up, but you know, got hurt all the time too. It's just mm-hmm. you know, and then he went through. He had to take painkillers, and he had to. Sure. But he was really careful. So. Yeah. But I think that the that what you guys are doing with this informed way of being, and I'm sure you guys were really informed as parents as well, is that information that I didn't get. Yes. I didn't get Well, Drew has the same philosophy for a certain age. If you do it, it's 10 times worse. So wait yes. till you're older to try it. And Absolutely. That, they didn't drink. I don't think my daughter drank until she was like 18. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Push it out. Push it out. Get that brain already well, working said, good. Now she and loves to drink, but okay. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I worry about that on a grand scale too, not even just drugs and alcohol and, and stuff that affects my daughter directly. I'm wondering, like, when's the age when I let her know about just bad stuff, period? You yeah. Know, I, I struggle <laughs> with that because I'll be watching. I'm constantly trying to watch the news and read the paper and all these things. And uh, she wants to know what I'm doing all the time. She's like, what, what are you doing? What doing, Papa? What doing, Papa? And, you know, I I'll, one clear example was we were in down in, like, the San Diego area, way out in the desert, though, watching Bianca's brother. Uh, he, had a, he had a race. So we went down to support him, and uh, we were, I was in the hotel room, and it was the weekend of the parachuting. And so I'm watching, like, this nonstop feed of all the updates on the parachute, and they're showing video of some of the shooters running. And she's like, "What? what's this? What's this? And I and I, I struggle with, like, well, what do I say? I mean, do I let her know that there's that level of evil? Do I talk about people being murdered, or do I just make something up? I mean, I either... I would neither, make something up. Neither doesn't sound exactly healthy. Age. You know, yeah. like, lying to your daughter doesn't... mean oh, it's just people hugging each other doesn't sound... <laughs> very healthy but at the same time saying oh well someone decided to put a bomb off where other people were for no reason i used to make up stories Mm -hmm. and then later Mm -hmm. my kids would go we can't believe how many stories you made up for us like you Uh you're totally we can't believe you anymore like what else well and i think the thing is is that they figured out later so (laughs) it's not i don't think it's and obviously not at this age or not at young ages but when they are old enough to know about that it's not the knowing of something and not the knowing of violence or not the knowing of of something you know that goes down that's that's scary it's the repetition of that thing so it's like if you see something and you see a news bit on it or you hear people talking about it that's okay you can talk about it process it it's when it's in our faces 24 7 mike loves to watch murder porn i call it but uh the the investigative discovery yeah well it makes it makes a lot of sense (laughs) lock Um, up raw (laughs) i I think you watch it for a different reason i think you're sitting there all right magic wand oh look at that cholo he's got tattoos on his neck oh (laughs) Oh, i think this education system that you use will will guide you when they're a certain age like when when they're in school because she's not in school yet so you're still doing this yeah yourself but we would follow the direction of what the other parents were doing and what the families were doing and not whip the kids into a frenzy when something tragic happens and then they would tell us how to deal with the kids and not make them scared and and be you know there you you have to censor it to a certain point some people don't even let their kids watch tv in school like you're you're gonna meet those people and they're like, my kids don't watch TV. We we just can't, you know, raise them in that kind of environment. And I'm like, well, my husband works in TV, so I don't have a choice. And I love TV. So it's yeah, just, let's get serious. Yeah. So we very, you know, we you have to be very careful and because you don't want your kid being the one informing some other kid and then causing a big chain of events where, oh, well, I heard it from, you know, 
so-and-so. Yeah, and I don't, we always were really careful with, I think, I mean, we were pretty careful with that stuff, right, Drew? With with news events? Yeah. I'm I'm in favor of being, again, always on their terms, which is kind of difficult, but being honest about stuff. Because I remember during the Watts riots, uh, I was what? LA riots. The Watts riots. Oh, I mean, right, I'm going to go back to when, when I was when a child. I thought you were talking about kids. your kids. Yeah, I, I will talk about that in a second. But, uh, but I remember going to my cousin's house. I was like five years old, and the TV was on, and they were they were like, "What is going on?" And I go, "Oh, it's the riots." Or you know, it's this. And I knew the whole story. I knew everything that was wrong about it, why it was happening, and my aunt and uncle pulled me aside. They were, we're we're not letting them see that. Don't don't. I I, th- I thought well, that's, that's their choice. Yeah. I understand, but I was five years old. And I thought. Why? Why? That's yeah. bizarre. You, you don't trust them to too. understand right. the world they live in. I'm fine. And I, it was yeah, bizarre. But you're an old soul, Drew. I, um, my parents listen, said, "Oh, those are bad people. Don't watch it." I remember well, that. Comment. I wouldn't tell them that either. Which I mean, it wasn't good. Yeah, it was but, not good. but don't you think there's a difference too between what it was then, where it's like you had the news story, it's and you bombarding. Had, now yeah. you can go online and find everybody's eyewitness uh, yeah. videos of what went down. Right. I mean, I, I've done that where something happened. I realize the next 24 hours, I'm in a spiral of just staring at the internet, reading everything that everybody well, has to say. The, and the internet is a different matter. That, that's a mm-hmm. much tougher yeah. deal. I find out. I find too, though, that what becomes normalized. Sometimes it's not okay for it to become normalized. I mean, I I was telling Drew the other day on HLN that the reason I never was interested in making a murderer was because it's like, oh, it's poor, uneducated people not getting good legal defense. Mm-hmm. What's sad. new? That's like, I mean, sad. that's America. I, I, I mean, I found no interest. I was like, what is compelling? Because that's life. You that's know, to what's me, it was like everywhere. that was something that's gone on and has been inundated in front of my eyes since I was a little boy. It yeah. was I've always been told that story. It's like. Yeah, the you know there's the have and the have nots, and that's it's never more clear than in a court of law, and and just never. So yeah. I, you wonder, like I I was thinking about how so much more because of 24 hour news and because of the internet, there's people who talk negatively about politicians, and of course I you're it's your right, and I encourage it to show dissent when you believe it. You're an American, but it, never before has it been broadcast to us at such an alarming rate, and until I was. In high school, you didn't hear people call the president a scumbag or, you know, right. you know what I'm saying? Because like I was a little kid. And so the only news I got was local television news. Now, every little kid is going to grow up thinking that it's perfectly OK to say that Hillary Clinton's a murderer or that President Obama's a traitor and a, and a Muslim and not born in this country. And I don't that's not really OK. Of course, yeah. is it OK to disagree with the president and have political views that are subversive? Oh, I encourage it. But the uh, the notion that you can just talk down about people has become commonplace. Well, what, do you let your daughter watch South Park? <laughs> not yet. Not. <laughs> not I really. Suffered through South but Park for Beavis many and years. I do. Yeah. What? Beavis, Beavis and Butthead. Butt I do. Yeah. I mean. But but I think like you hit on a good point. I don't think it's just about like the president or or you know people of of great stature. It's the fact that kids today think it's okay to go on social media and write horrible things that they would never say to somebody's face to horrible. somebody that they don't even know and, it, and it's just accepted i mean obviously there's there's people that will go on and write back to them or whatever but but they think that that's okay if my kids did that they would be in trouble big trouble there's yeah. no way ivy gets I mean, in big trouble if but she that's talks a lack bad of parenting about anybody once again, you know yeah i tell her if you say bad things about other people you're gonna have to go and apologize to them 
and that's I'm going to walk you right over there at 15 years old and you're going to have to apologize for making that person cry because you decided to make fun of somebody. I said, that's absolutely not okay. Yeah. Empathy and compassion is the code that we're going to live by and I don't care what your friends are doing. I, I was talking, my boxing coach was asking me if I wanted my daughter to be an athlete because I told her, I told him that I put my boxing gloves on her and that she was, I was showing her how to box. And I said, you know what? I don't really care. I mean, if she wants to be an athlete, great. If she doesn't, fine. If she wants to be a violinist, fine. I, I mean, I honestly, I don't care what my daughter does or wants to be. I just, she can't be mean. That's <laughs> I, like the, I don't care. I don't care if my daughter's a bad student. I don't care if my daughter is, I mean, I want her to be a good student. I don't really care. I don't care. I just, I want her to not be mean. That's all I, that's the mm-hmm. only thing in my mind. I was like, I just don't want, I, if I, if Magnolia came home and, 15 years and she's like I have a, I have an F in biology I'd be like I'm not happy with you in any way but it wouldn't ruin my day if no, I if Magnolia not. came home with a letter from the principal saying that she was suspended because she called another girl a, a, a fat bitch I would be more I would be mortified to think that like my daughter's a mean girl you know right. but I think the structure of the of the parenting in the home is like how I interact with her, how I interact with people around me that tells my daughter what is and is not okay. And so my behavior and the modeling is so important is that she's no longer listening to my words. She is watching what I do. And so I have to be what I want to instill in her. I have to be that. And so that's where they are now with these kids. They have all this media and all this exposure and all this nonsense. I mean, complete nonsense. I don't sit on the computer. I don't, that's not just, that's not my, I, I just don't get the whole computer thing. But she's on Snapchat. She's on this. She's on that. She's seeing stuff. And I said, you need to take a break from that. That's not real. Yeah, it's a lot more. Your neighbor is real. Going the on kid now. down the street is real. Go talk to people. Don't sit behind this screen and be um, a facade. Be who you really are. And that's what I try to get instilled in these these young girls is that this is fantasy. This None of this yeah. is real. Yeah, I was lucky because my kids were all in college before the real internet revolution. It's a real yeah. struggle. But, you know, I did also teach them that when people are mean to you, definitely have a good comeback. <laughs> and they're all really good at that now so okay well, I, I was i was thinking about how drew and i notice it so so much um on loveline is that it's definitely already affected people's ability to communicate yes 100 percent. i'm i'm a dumbass but since i was a little boy if i wanted to go buy a cd if i wanted a cassette I had to walk out of my house or get my grandma to take me and deal with a human being and right. say that I would like to purchase this. We what, went to the record cha- store and we would just look through records and it was yeah. like a social thing to do. And if I wanted to talk to my teacher about not understanding something, uh, I would have to wait after class and walk up to he or she and say, hello, Mr. McHale, I don't understand and, and interact. And we're divorced of that now, especially at you know a young kid's age. Because everything they purchase, everything they interact with is all digital. And their ability to understand inflection, subtext. Subtle nuances. Uh, and, and also just the ability to put together the language. Yes. Even for kids that are good students. Like, I'm shocked. Like, constantly shocked at how poorly people communicate. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, getting back to what you are talking about, how that they want to live in fantasy. That's, I think, the number one reason why 
we have, and just in the last like year, not in 2016, in the last 12 months, Drew and I have seen a massive increase of guys, 20, 21 year old guys calling up as stalkers. They're like, well, Uh my girlfriend broke up with me. What do I do? She has to be mine. And you go, listen, she doesn't want to be with you. What, Mm -hmm. what can I do now? She said she doesn't want to talk to me and we've been broken up for six months. What do I do? I go, what do you do? Find another girl. What do you yes. mean? Yeah, we have two versions of it. One is that version where they, they can't deal with the breakup and they're just like, well, we got to fix this. And the other is they didn't have a relationship in the first place. The girl wasn't into it. So we settled for friend, puts in a couple of years as the friend and goes, calls us yeah. and goes, now it's time. It's time. And that's so another stalking. That's fantasy. Yes. When when yes. when fantasy bleeds away and you're confronted with that reality, and they have uh, no ability to prepare have, for it, no. you know. But None. I think that's also because people don't have lives anymore. People, people, any any free millisecond of a day is spent scanning this phone and looking at things on the internet and you don't have to have a life that interacts with anyone else to be able to enjoy entertainment to be able to shop to be able to do everything that you, you could never leave your couch and and live right essentially which is odd it's <laughs> yeah, very odd. odd because the human being needs interaction that's that's what we need we yeah. have to have it we even can't. for stupid stuff you know i was thinking about the other night when i saw that Blockbuster officially is done. It's like no no Over. longer thing. Mm-hmm. Um, not even online presence. The whole and I was thinking about Blockbuster and I thought about all the great movies I watched solely because I walked into the Blockbuster without an idea of what I was going to rent. Mm-hmm. And so you walk around and you like talk to the guy behind the counter or the girl and and it was an experience. And I watched. Now you read the reviews and right. click like, through on the previews. Now it's like, when, does that, when is that on video on demand? God. Oh, my God. Four more days before I can get it on. I, uh. You know, there's no there's no kind of fork. You're not forced to kind of branch out. You guys, we've got to wrap mm-hmm. this up. Shelly, oh. thank you for uh, filling in for Bob. It's oh, thank you. So thank great you. to Anytime. see you. Anytime. Really? So good to see you. Anytime. Right. Absolutely. Bring Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. We'll do one. We take. We're gonna do one coming up. We take calls. So bring great. Ivy. Whatever hang out you want to do. I asked her to come today, but she's fifteen. <laughs> oh. so, so just bring bring poison ivy then just literally wah, wah. Okay. spread it all over the place all and right. then, you guys thanks for being here next time our pleasure we'll, we'll chronicle the development of your parenting experience yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe wait. next maybe next time we'll do it we'll bring magnolia i think we'll see the, magnolia <laughs> can tell us all about it and you need to have another kid too i'm just convinced of that you get <laughs> sure. real parenting and your sure. real yeah, parenting i'm only yeah. parent i'm only a half a parent because i only have one child that's not true i said i told bianca i was like let the let the animated show roll out and if I'm the next Mike Judge, let's have as many kids as you want. There right? you go. If not, then. Well, <laughs> I'm getting up there. I mean, I don't think we can pop out too many more. Yeah, it's true. You never know that Chuck Blood. <laughs> <laughs> and we can always adopt. Right. I've told that's you that. really that's good. Right. Mm-hmm. That's Which, really what's your heritage? Your, did you, did English, you, English, Irish, Dutch. Icelandic. Is that you too? Or is Scottish, that your husband? No, that was, that's uh, Ivy's. Ivy's dad is like half Icelandic. Yeah. Yeah. So is, that's, he, is he yeah. one of the world's strongest men? Uh, no, he is. Uh, he's actually, but he is a Viking. He's extremely stubborn. Yeah, yeah. That's this is one all thing. that Vi- Scotland, Ireland, mm-hmm. Denmark. Mm-hmm. It's all Viking blood that she's yes, got. This one's all that's pretty Viking. sweet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, please, before we wrap up, check out our sponsors. Of course, if you have need for them, email us at the drdrew.com website. If you wanted to ask questions, we will try to take them on the show, and we will do calls too. If you want to be able to call in, you send us uh, what it is you want to call about there drdrew.com slash contact. 
And uh, please join the email list. Sign up for the email list there. And as I said, support by clicking through on the Amazon banner on the site uh, at drdrew.com. Uh, we can be found on Twitter at This Life Podcast and at, uh, at Dr. Drew. Check that out. Oh, and don't forget the Adam and Dr. Drew podcast and the Dr. Drew podcast as well. And Bob and I will uh, look forward to bringing you more. Uh, and if you have suggestions for celebrities or people you want to hear here, please uh, do let us know again at the email list. And subscribe to this podcast uh, on iTunes to get it before anybody else. And if you like it, tell a friend. Yes. There yeah. you go. And uh, that about what's... Okay. Oh, I'm just giving you a thumbs up. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Nailed it. All right, you guys. We'll see you next time. See ya. Ah. Uh-huh.